Lord. The Lord is good all the time. Shall we bow for prayer? We're sorry if you glorified, Father. I submit to you and I ask that you have your way. Speak to us, O Lord, and show us your perfect way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. We thank God for the rains. (laughs) At a certain time, we are praying that it should rain. But I was only wishing that it will not rain at this particular time. <laughs> but we thank God for everything. I want to believe that most people who are not able to come tonight in person would be watching us and listening in online. And let's keep all, give all our full attention to the word of God. And mix it with faith so that it will profit us. Hallelujah. Tonight, the Lord has fallen on me to talk about God's spiritual order in His church. God's spiritual order in His church. And the Word of God says that God is not the author of confusion. He is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. God is a God of order. Whatever he does, there is no confusion or distortions in it. And... The word of God is telling us that there must be order in all the churches of the saints or in all the churches of the Lord's people, all the congregations of the Lord's people. And as I was meditating on the word of God, I was beginning to ask myself this question that why do we have to learn about God's spiritual order in his church. What is the need? What is the necessity of knowing about God's spiritual order in his church? And I believe that the Holy Spirit is giving me several reasons um, of which I'll share some with you. First of all, 
in First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen, he says that he's writing to us so that we will know how we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God. Because the house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So this is one reason that we will know how we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God. And then, also, so that we'll be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because those are the kinds of worshippers that God is looking for. That is what Jesus told the Samaritan woman when she asked him, where is the best place of worship? Where is the best church in town? Is it Jerusalem or on this mountain? And Jesus said, oh woman, believe me, it's neither of these two places. Um, let me tell you, as a matter of fact, the time is coming where um, we will not worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But God, the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So if we know and understand God's spiritual order for his church, then we'll be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I believe that we are in a dispensation where we all, we all even don't get to gather in one place to worship. As we are um, fellowshipping now, some are behind their devices um, in their homes. Some are even on their way home in their vehicles with their phones or their tablets on fellowshipping. What God wants from all of us here and away is to worship him in spirit and in truth. And also, that we will know how to serve God acceptably, with reverence, fear. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. That we will, will, will have grace to serve God acceptably, with reverence, fear. For God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. So, these are some of the reasons why I believe we ought to know God's spiritual order for His church. When we talk about order, what does order mean? Before we look at the context within which we are applying this, so, I was looking up some meanings and I found out that order means an authoritative command or instruction. An authoritative command or an instruction. In the beginning, we see that when the world was, the earth was chaotic, and darkness had covered the face of the deep. God gave an order. Let there be light. And there was light. So God, God's order issues out of his divine authority. And in the church also, God has set his authority. He has delegated authority on this earth. And there is a chain of command. Order also means arrangement, an arrangement according to a particular sequence or a state in which everything is in its correct and appropriate place. Order also means a prescribed or established procedures to be followed by at a meeting. So if we look at the word of God, we see that in some places we are being given an order, instructions to follow. A typical example is in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, which tells us that first of all, we are being instructed that we would 
pray and intercede for all men and pray for those who are in authority so that we'll be able to live a godly and a peaceable life. So, in God's established order, it is not our place to meet and insult the government or anyone in authority. Our place is to pray if we want to have peace. It's not complaints or insults or phonings that will bring us peace. Also, we see that in the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there's instructions being given as to how to even conduct a service and exercise our spiritual gifts, especially the gift of utterance. How prophecies have to come out, how there has to be interpretation, and how if there are no interpretation, keep quiet and speak to yourself and how it is better to speak a few words which everybody can be edified than to speak hundreds of tongues which no one can hear and be edified and so on and so forth. And it's in this same 1 Corinthians 14 that we have our memory verse which says that God is not a God of disorder but of peace as in all the congregations of the people of God. Order also applies to a state in which the laws and rules regulating public behavior are observed and authority is obeyed. So we see that where there is order, we have um, structure. We have instructions. We have harmonious systems. We don't have systems that conflict and collude with each other. We have peace. We have control. We have discipline where there is order. But where there is no order, there is disorder. <laughs> there is disarray. There is rebellion. There is lawlessness, chaos, confusion. And anything, if they say something is out of order, it means that that thing is not functioning properly or it is not functioning at all. So, in God's church, God has set everything in order. God has his prescribed way and he has set his authority in place so that his name will be glorified. When we, we, we have looked at Genesis already, but I want us to see more about order, God's order right from the beginning. When the earth was without form, God issued an order, followed by one order after another order, until the earth took its form and received its frame. The sea was also put in its right place, and it could not cross its boundaries to come and consume the land. The songwriter says that who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? It says that all of creation testifies and the life within me cries. So, every even our own lives and everything that we see around us testifies that God is a God of order. He is not the author of confusion. God doesn't create or write or do anything 
that is confusing. Whatever God does is beautiful. So we see that when God had done everything, he saw that all that he had done was very good. And one thing that I noticed is that after God created the world and all the beautiful things in the world, he didn't leave the world to exist on its own. He put somebody in charge. So that that person will take care of all that he has created. So that is God's order. He doesn't leave things to just um, go haywire. He sets authority in place. So the Bible says that the heavens of heavens belongs to God. But as for the earth, he has given it to man to manage and control. So after God has created everything, he said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the bears of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So this is what God did. And everything was very, very beautiful until sin came in. And when sin came in, that was when we began to see disorder. We saw um, envy, murder, insolence. Imagine that you are going to kill your brother. And God is asking you, so where is your brother? And man has the audacity to ask God that, am I my brother's keeper? So that is you know, total disorder and gross insubordination. But that is a typical example of disorder, rebellion, that came out of sin. So, to enforce, ensure law and order, God gave his commandments. He gave laws and statutes by which his people will worship him and also how we'll have instruction for all aspects of our lives. The Bible says that the scripture is profitable to us um, for doctrine, reproof, rebuke, and instruction in righteousness. So there is order in the church of God. God has provided in the New Testament also, there is, there is order. God did not leave things to be there anyhow and to just flow anyhow. But there is a form within which the Spirit operates. And that form is not um, according to man's wisdom but it's according to God's own wisdom. So, just as in the beginning, God formed man, formed the body, and put his spirit, his own spirit within man to have dominion on the earth. In the same way, the church, which is the body of Christ, is the form which God has created, within which his spirit will operate so that Christ will be represented on the earth. So, yes, God has provided a structure. The church has a form because it is the body of Christ. We are all part of this body. Each and every one of us who believes in Jesus Christ are part of this body, even though we are many, each one of us forms a particular part 
of the body as God has arranged us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, we will find this. Okay, so let's read some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Let's look at 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Hallelujah. So there are many parts, but you and me, we are individual members of the body of Christ, of which Jesus Christ our Lord is the head. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Amen. So he, referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, is the head of the body. So, within the body, the Holy Spirit also operates. Because the body without the Spirit is dead. So, the church without the Holy Spirit is a dead church. That's why we are told not to quench the Spirit of God. We should not quench the Spirit. Otherwise, we'll be there in form but there will be no life and no impact on the earth. Christ's church has a structure. It is the house of God. Every building has a structure. And so is the church of God. We have seen that already in 1 Timothy 3.15. That this is the reason why we ought to know the spiritual order of God, even for his church. So that we will know how we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the ground and the pillar of the truth. And we all are part of this great building we are all part of a part of this great building. And in this building of God, it is built upon the foundation, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. We'll read that. Ephesians 2, 19 21. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So, this foundation, Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said that nobody can lay any other foundation. There's no foundation that has to be laid than that which is already laid, and that is Christ. Christ is the only foundation or the, corners, the chief cornerstone of his church. And in there, he has the apostles and the prophets and all of us also are built into so if you look at this ark temple the foundation is there and then we have the frame we have the roof we have everything fitted together beautifully into a holy temple and 
spiritually, spiritually, in God's spiritual order. That is how he sees us. Even though we are walking about as human beings, yes, he has set his order and his structure in such a way that the apostles are there, the foundations, and then the other members are all in their various positions he has set in a way that he desires according to the function that he wants us to or the role that he wants us to play. So when God set up his church, he gave responsibility to some. The responsibility that he has given to some is to watch over our souls. And this responsibility, those given this responsibility will render an account to God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. Ask those who must give accounts. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Hallelujah. So we have to be submissive to God's authority, those who are set over us to rule us. Because God has given them a responsibility for which they are going to render an account. And if we don't submit to them, there will be no joy in even rendering an account. Um, even when it comes to giving accounts here on earth, and uh, we go for strategic conference, we say, okay, so where are the reports? And uh, we see that there hasn't been so much cooperation in giving accurate and timely reports. It is very grievous. You know, sometimes even your leader can call you and be asking you certain questions. Okay, so where do you work? How old are you? Uh, it is not for her own personal uh, use, that information. Or it's not for his own personal use, that information. It is because of the responsibility that God has given to leadership. So we have to submit, we have to cooperate. And especially even in this season, that we, are, we have our new constitution and we, we are having elections and we are trying to put together our data and um, fine-tune everything. We need the cooperation of everybody. This is not the time for anyone to decide that, well, uh, I'm my own person. Uh, I'll give you the information I, I like to give you. If I don't want to give you to, it's my own information. I'll mind you. That is, not, that is not going to be profitable for you as an individual at all before the Lord. So let us submit to authority because this responsibility is given by God. So if anyone disregards or disrespects authority, they are actually disrespecting God. And I don't think that it's anyone's intention to deliberately disrespect God. But it's because we are seeing a human being and we do not understand God's order. We think that, oh, it's this sister who I don't like to see most of the time. She's asking me all these questions and she's uh, calling me and saying this or that. So let me even sit somewhere and think of myself. It is actually God you are addressing like that. So let us be aware of God's spiritual order so that we will not fall out of line. So God has given responsibility to leaders to also equip us for the work of the ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, we will see that there, that he has given some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. So this is another responsibility given to leadership. And no man takes this honor unto himself. It is God himself who puts everyone in their position the way he God wants, not the way anybody wants. It is God who calls. In Hebrews 5 verse 4, he says it, that no man takes this honor to himself. It is God who calls, just as he also called Aaron in those days. So, he has set up his chain of command. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28, we see that there is a chain of command here. Um, he says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracle. Then, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. See? So, this is how God has designed everything. There is a chain of command. There is order in God's structure within which the Holy Spirit operates. I noticed, I noted that interestingly, in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus asked his disciples to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And while they were waiting, they had to fill in one space before the Holy Spirit will come. And I realized that, okay, so before God put his Spirit, before God breathed his Spirit into man, he had created a form. He had created a form. Then he breathed. He didn't just breathe into the atmosphere. He created a form. And in the same way too, on that fateful day, when the apostles were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they couldn't leave the body um, the way it was with Judas's absence. So what did they do? They went to the word of God and they went into prayer and they saw in the Bible where actually David had prophesied about that particular situation of Judas that somebody else should take his office. So it shouldn't be 11 apostles. It has to be 12 apostles. So they cast the lots and then they put another person there to replace Judas whilst they were there together with one accord and praying and waiting, then on the day of Pentecost, suddenly the mighty rushing wind came and filled them, sat upon them, and they all began to speak in tongues. And what follows, we all know. So God has a form. He creates a form within which his spirit operates. And in this form, he has also set the chain of command. There is authority and responsibility given to authority to watch over the souls of men and to render account, to build and edify the church so that we'll all be equipped to do the work of God. So if we do not submit ourselves under authority, we cannot be built we cannot be equipped to do anything for God. So we need to submit to God's order and be submissive to authority. In, in my preparation, I read certain things that really made me start crying out to God for, for mercy. And it was very frightening. That is the repercussions of going against God's order. Um, there are many, but for um, want of time, I can share a few, and then we will pray. So, there's this story about Nadab and Abihu, the 
sons of Aaron, they went to offer a strange fire on the altar, and God killed them. And then, there's this other story about the return of the ark of God, where they didn't seek God's um, guidance as to how to return the ark. And they, they put it on a cart. They bought a new cart. And then, as they were going, the cart, the oxen was, you know, shaking the, the cart. And it was looking as if the ark of God was going to fall down. So, one of the drivers called Uzzah. He stretched forth his hand to hold the ark of God so that it doesn't fall down. And then, God killed him. Very scary. Even King David was now angry. He was like, hey, then this thing, I can't go and bring it to where I am. I mean, this is too scary. So, they had to go and park it somewhere in the house of Obedidom for some time. Until later on, they sought God for the right way to bring it, and it was brought. Now, I was also looking at the letters to the churches in Revelation. And I realized that the church of Laodicea, Jesus wrote to them. And in that letter, it was as if, yeah, these people, they seemed all right to themselves and in their own eyes. But Jesus was actually not in the church. He was he was now standing outside and knocking for somebody to hear and open him to come in. And in fact, this was a real matter to my heart. So I realized that it's important for us to understand God's spiritual order. Otherwise, we will run in vain and think that we are doing very well. But then, in the sight of God, we will be scoring nothing at all. So, I believe that it is the Lord who has been gracious to us to bring us his word so that we will understand certain things. And then, we will align ourselves very well without, without getting into problems. Because the Bible says that God is it's a consuming fire. And we do not want God to consume us. So, when we look at our lives, even as individuals, and how we conduct ourselves in the presence of God, you know, when, when we come together, do we recognize that we are in the house of God and God's presence is with us? Or if we are you know, at our family altar and we're having a prayer meeting or maybe you are attending church on your tablet like how you are doing tonight. Uh, do you realize that you are actually in the presence of God? You know, so these are questions that were coming to me. How do I conduct myself? Am I even aware um, that I've been out of order so many times and Lamentation says that it's because of the mercies of God that we are not consumed. In fact, some of us, if it was like in the Old Testament, I'm sure that we will not be around. It's because of the mercies of God. And uh, I believe that the mercy of God is also bringing us to repentance. It's not just telling us these things so that we'll have some knowledge in our head and continue what we used to do, but we'll be really aware of God's presence and we will take God seriously so that the blessings that God wants to pour upon us will be ours and not destruction. So in Leviticus chapter 10, verse, verse 1, and then, okay, for want of time, I'll just do 1 and then 3. Leviticus 10, 1 and 3. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, 
each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So take notice of which he had not commanded them. He had not commanded them. Verse 3, And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. The man had lost two children. He had to hold his peace. Because God had already told him before that all those coming before him must sanctify themselves. All those coming to worship him or even minister before him must sanctify themselves. And I don't know what happened to these young men. Whether they were going to try out their senses or whatever. And they went there and, you know, there was diamonds. So, what does this tell us? Especially even with those of us who minister before the Lord. When I saw that which he had not commanded them, then I realized that, hey, it means that whatever I do or say in the presence of the Lord, in ministering before the Lord, must be as God has commanded me. Yeah. And Apostle Paul, in Second Corinthians chapter 12, somewhere he was talking about some revelations that he had caught you know, even the way he was talking about it, no, you wouldn't even think that it's him. But he was saying that he went to the third heavens and the things that he, he saw, you know, and he didn't want to talk about them uh, for a, a, a very good reason. That is, okay, let's go there. Second Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 6. We'll read that quickly. How he was caught up into paradise and had inexpressible ways which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Let's take this uh, verse 6 in the NLT. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it. Because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Hallelujah. So, in relating this to the story of uh, Nabdab and Abihu, I realized that whatever we say or do at this altar, it must bring glory to God, not to ourselves, not to anyone. It must only bring glory to God, and it must be what God has authorized. Whatever we sing, whatever we do, it must bring glory to God. It's not to come and, you know, display our ability or what we can do. Because then that will be a strange fire. And that has a serious consequence. So, he says that all who come to his presence must respect his holiness. When we come to the presence of God, we must respect his holiness. And there are things that we do in the presence of God, whilst we are even sitting in the congregation, whilst we are even on duty, at the helper's desk, or even out there,
doing the protocols or in the instruments room at the media desk what we are doing what we are saying is it a holy fire or is it a strange fire if it's not to bring glory to God if it's um, according to the flesh and we are doing our own thing as if we are in church but we are in a different world all together in our own small corner that is a strange fire when we are even dancing is it a dance unto the Lord or it is you know um, to exercise yourself in one form or the other all who come to the presence of God must respect the holiness of God. I believe that the Lord is helping us to bring correction and, and reproof and rebuke and instruction in righteousness to us. So we must only seek to glorify the Lord. So that's why sometimes it's very, very tricky to um, be joining the service online because you can easily be tempted to go and stay your banku and come or you know to pick a call to do different things you know it's because of the mercies of god that we are not consumed and i pray that god will help us all as he's bringing us understanding of his divine order let us be well aligned so that his blessings will come upon us so, in the case of Uza, now later on when they were bringing back the ark from the house of Obedidom, King David said something in First Chronicles 15:13, because he was telling the, the priests and the Levites to go and sanctify themselves, and they should be the ones to carry the, the ark. And the reason why that thing happened to the young man is because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time. The anger of our Lord burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. In the other versions, he says that we, we, we did not consult him about the proper order or we did not... Um, Serve him after the due order. You know, so there is a proper order. And um, that is what should have been, been followed. But they had a bright idea. And uh, there is nothing wrong with carrying the ark of God to its rightful place. Nothing wrong with that. But you see, with the things of God and with the order of God, it is not the end justifies the means because God has his own divine order. And so these people, they thought that, oh, if I buy a brand new cart and put the ark on it and get these two gentlemen to be riding it, uh, driving it majestically, when all of us are following, then it will be really looking nice, you know. And uh, look at what happened to, what happened to, to the young man. He died. So in, that tells us that, um, you know, with all humility, I would say that in our church governance, we must consult the word of God and pray for guidance for the proper order so that um, we will not breach the proper order and get into trouble with God. And I've mentioned already that when they had to replace Judas, Peter and the apostles, they were in the upper room, they were praying, and they went into the word of God, and they saw it in Psalm 109, verse 8, the prophecy about Judas, that this man, let his habitation be desolate, let somebody else take his office. So based upon that, they now proceeded to um, nominate 
some people, and then they prayed again and said, God, you are the one who knows the heart of every man. So these two people, show us which of them qualifies to take their place. And then they prayed and got Matthias. So it is important to seek God after the proper order. And our own bright ideas and assumptions may be very, very costly in the long run. So when it comes to God, we should not lean on our own understanding. We should acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. Then, the Laodicean church. See, Jesus said something here. He said that as many as I love, I rebuke. Um, Revelations 3, 19 and 20. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So this one, we like to use it for um, witnessing. But it's actually instruction given to the church that we should listen to Jesus knocking. Uh, we do sing, hark the voice of Jesus calling who will go and, and work today. But we have to listen to Jesus knocking. And he says that if anyone, if anyone, anyone means anyone. So if anyone of us can hear his voice and open the door, Jesus will not stay outside our church. He will come in. And when he comes in, he would sup with us. And we would also sup with him. These uh, Laodiceans, they thought that oh, they had riches, they had affluence, and um, they had their church. Uh, they didn't want to be too much spiritual, 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 so that they will be able to be a seeker-friendly church, you know, seeker-friendly church. Everybody can come. Our doors are open to all and sundry. Um, it is not fashionable to say, let us confess our sins and say that don't speak in tongues. Confess your sins. Yes. Don't call, your, don't call a spade an agricultural implement. Call it a spade. Call it what you will call if somebody else went to do it. You say, hey, did you hear that this person went to fornicate? Yeah. If you are reporting it for somebody else, you can mention the sin. Okay? So as you are confessing your sins before the Lord, mention what you did. And God will abundantly pardon. So in, 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 in that seeker-friendly church, it was not fashionable to, to confess our sins. It was fashionable to just, you know, speak in tongues and do some, you know, something to show that, yes, we are there. But Jesus was not in it at all. He was not in it. So we are being called to repent from our lukewarmness and our complacency. We cannot continue like business as usual. We must invite Jesus into all our affairs and allow him to have his way. Allow his order, God's spiritual order to prevail. And then we must turn away from the form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Because that is not useful to God. That does not bring glory to God. That cannot make any impact. That cannot represent the Lord. Because the church is God's representative on the earth. And it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities and powers. So, we, we have to be aligned to God's spiritual order. So, at this point, I want us to pray to the Lord.
individually. Let us ask God to forgive us. In diverse ways, we have dishonored him. We have not shown respect to his holiness, even in the house of God. There are things that we have done and said against God's delegated authority. We have done things to show how clever we are, but not to bring glory to God. Let us ask God to forgive us. If he has found grace with us, to bring us his word. Then today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not argue in your head. Be willing be obedient. We heard about obedience last week. He says, if we are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. But if we refuse and rebel, then we will be destroyed. God doesn't want to destroy us. That is why he's bringing us his word. Let us also pray for our church. That God would lead us. He will grant his wisdom unto the leadership. And everything that we do will be in line with the word of God. Anything that is not in line with the word of God, that is hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit. The Lord should by his own arrangement remove that and mobilize CFCC into his divine order. Let's pray that his name will be glorified in our lives. Wherever he sends us and wherever we are, whether we are in the church, whether we are in the house, whether we are at the workplace, we are God's representatives, ambassadors for Christ. Let us pray that he will be glorified through us. He will work through us. Let's pray that we we'll all come to the obedience of the faith and will be submissive to God's set authority of the house. You are the Lord, let your name be glorified. You are the Lord, let your name be glorified. We give you glory. Let your kingdom come. 
in our lives. Let your kingdom come in your church. Let your will be done. Let your name alone be glorified. For yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty. Yes, Lord. Everything in heaven and earth belongs to you. And you are exalted as head over all. Therefore, let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace and many blessings.